0: Hello out there, you found your way to Epsilon Radio's archive. Remember that we're broadcasting every day live from Epsilon in Vestebro, Copenhagen. You can find us live broadcasting on EpsilonCPH.dk. Just click the radio button at the top right of the page, or you can now download our Google Play app in your app store. You can also check out our other programming and channels and podcasts on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and of course, Spotify. If you want to be in touch with us, please give us a call, 50238602, plus 45 is the area code for Denmark, so keep that in mind, or write to us at radio at epsiloncph.dk. Well, William, how are you today? Good, yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, happy to have you on the show. Um, we're doing something a bit different, uh, different f- from what I normally do for this specific uh, show. I normally don't do it live um uh, okay and so i thought why not uh do it live because i'm trying to trick everybody into going to Key class uh so it's in the mid so i have another show um that's live on air every week now and it's daylight savings time and i just place like some different music and talk about it um so i'm tricking those listeners into uh coming to a Key class uh without realizing it so uh that's, <laughs> that's that's what you're part of right now you're uh you're uh, what do you call it, Jerry? You're, uh, you're helping me rob a bank, basically. Um, uh, you're an you're accomplice. an accomplice, yes. Um, All right. Also, typically, uh, I would have my keys with me, and we would keep time um, during the class. Um, so basically, what we do is, uh, what we've been doing is I teach uh, the Crow key class here on Epsilon Radio um, every week on Wednesdays from uh, 7.50 until 9 p.m., And we take the first ten minutes of the class to uh, to teach to allow the uh, listeners to set up their room to do life drawing. So if they Uh are doing it for themselves or by themselves, if they're going to draw themselves, it's time to get their mirror in the right part of the room, or their bench, and uh, also their lighting, and also prepare things that the model might need, like tea or a robe or uh, just get the room situated and get their supplies out. Um, So typically that's what we do with the uh, first 10 minutes. And then we do some gesture drawings, which are two minutes at a time. And there's five of those. So that ends up being 10 minutes. And then we take a five minute break. And then we go into five, four minute, um, five, four minutes poses, right? poses. Yes, exactly. And, uh, usually by then the guest uh, leaves me halfway in the middle of that. And, uh, then I'm just, it's just me and the <clears throat> listeners. Um, so
1: but, yeah, but who's modeling like each person is either modeling for themselves or they have a model visiting them.
0: Uh, or they just tell their their lover to take their clothes off and sit on the bed. Um, so yeah essentially oh, okay. that's essentially it i mean there's also i think people listening to it while they're cooking um there's also people listening to it in the background while they're doing other things so it's a, it's a very passive class um we um we uh sometimes i think one one time somebody finally tagged us in something and i think it was a good example of what they do so they uh took the class and they drew their chair. They had one of these uh, ergonomic kind of weird-looking uh-huh, chairs uh-huh. that hit every point on your back, uh, I guess, because it's supposed to be more comfortable. And they sent three drawings, and one was obviously a gesture drawing. Then they rotated the chair, and they, took, they did a five-minute pose, and they rotated the chair again and did a 20-minute pose. And uh, each one was more detailed than the last. So essentially, uh-huh, that's good. what it is. Um, sometimes when I don't have a guest, I read from a book. But uh, I don't know if you know... Um, everything is for the most part closed here in Denmark. Um, so the library is closed and uh, my library is, uh, I'm done. I, I read through all of my, uh-huh. My,
1: uh-huh. all of my art theory books. You're like, you're like a sailor. You, you have to read the Bible over and over again. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, I mean, I, I have one that I've, I've reused a couple times, um, uh, How to Write Art History. Um, so that one is applicable to so many different things. So um, I, I've gone to that one. A couple times as as a reference, but now we have you. We have you, William. Um, so, um, so now we're in the the setup of the class. So, if you can, um, maybe, I mean, I know that you are, are painting more abstraction, but can you remember a time when you did uh, life drawing? Are you still doing life
1: drawing? Well, I sometime? still I still do life drawing. Okay. Um, I did life drawing for many years live in New York at different uh, studios. And then there was a nice time when we used to have models come to my apartment yeah. and they would model here and we would ha- I would cook food and everything. And so that was very nice. And then when the pandemic started, I thought it was hopeless because, you know, we were going to be drawing online models, you know, yeah. on camera. And at first it was, but then um, this gentleman in Scotland, uh, Derek, uh, you know, began to figure out how to raise the quality a little bit. Okay. And so I began drawing with him. He was then twice a week, so um, I was drawing quite a lot. And I also engaged a couple of models privately.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that was doubly nice because, first of all, I prefer to work privately because you have more interaction with the model. Yeah. But second, you know, when you're isolated, it becomes part of your social life.
0: Okay, yeah, of course, of course.
1: And one of the models and I – one of the models was a was an actress, and so she and I would often talk about art, and we did some little theater projects together. But the other was um, – you know, just a very personable person and she and I would, you know, it was almost like <clears throat> we were going to a psychotherapy. I mean, it wasn't psychotherapy, <laughs> but you know, we talked about everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, very good.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I still, I still do a little, I'm working with one model who's Spanish, but lives in Holland. Okay. And we're working almost every week. And then occasionally I'll draw with a group online But my own art making has shifted now, so that uh, you know I'm very thankful for all the drawing I did of of live models. But uh, you know I'm I'm working right at what I'm doing now is I've taken photographs of snow piles. Okay, snow piles in which I can see sort of vaguely human or animal forms that are expressive. And then I tried to bring out those forms through painting,
0: and did uh, so and then for the people at home, how does that uh what is the comparison Do, have can you see um what am I trying to? I'm mean, it's a leading question, I guess. Can you? I'm not the best interviewer, uh, William. By That's the way, all right. <laughs> by the way, just FYI, from the beginning, I always start the statement at the end and then go back to the question. But the question I'm trying to get at is: uh, when you're looking for the forms in the snow, do you also apply this when you're doing the life drawing to the human body? I'm trying to get the students to realize that probably, probably are,
1: not so much. Yeah. I tried to, uh, I tried to do something similar with a. With a live model and came out um, it came out reasonably well, but yeah, um, typically, when I'm working with a live model, a lot of my attention goes to trying to get something right, okay, you know, to try to express uh, you know, either to get the details of of him or her, you know, correct, but but also to express something about that moment, about that person, about, you know,
0: um, and when you say, uh, when you say, right, do you mean, um, like realistic or, or, uh, right in, in how it's represented in front of you? Uh,
1: well, a lot of, a lot of what I do is portrait. Okay.
0: Even if it's a,
1: even if it's a full naked person in front of me, I'm essentially doing a portrait. um, and in that, in those cases, you know, I'm not so concerned. Let's say to get the size of the nose right, okay. But there's something I feel about that person, you know, and I feel about what they're feeling, you know. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong, <laughs> but I have some sense. I want, I want that in the image, you know. I want that to, yeah. Um. So, uh, do, do so they, that do- concern gets away from, from from abstraction unfortunately.
0: Okay. And do you ever a confirm or confer with them if if you got the feeling right? Is that how it turned into a cycle?
1: Well that's complicated. It? Nowadays drawing nowadays drawing online, yeah, if you're working privately with a model, they want to see examples of what you've done. Okay. Now one reason they want to see that is they want to make sure that it's an artistic Engagement, not a sexual one, yes, of
0: course. Yeah,
1: so I, I that's wondered about that. By, yeah, that's confirmed by the fact that you show the work you actually did.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's fine with me, but it's not always the case that you want to do art that the model is going to like. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, like if you thought of like Picasso or uh. You know, many many artists you could think of who did uh, yep. worked with models and produced things that the models might say, "Geez, I don't get that at all."
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, um, one second, William. So I also uh, ring my keys. So. Um, so for you guys that are drawing, I know that this is live on the air, so I know this is weird for you guys listening live, but I'm recording the life drawing session that will air in a couple weeks. And you guys have the benefit of William giving you information directly about why you should be going to croquis and life drawing classes. So the keys ringing there was to start the class If for those of you guys that are doing it. And this is the first of uh, five two-minute poses as I interview uh, William Eaton, who is in America. Are you in North Carolina, uh, William? In New York. In You're New, New York. York. You're in New York. Yeah. Uh, what what part? New York City, Manhattan, right oh, in the middle. Okay. Right in the middle. All right. So all the way from Manhattan to you guys in Copenhagen, um, and then back out to the whole world is uh, William Eaton, uh, a very uh, distinguished uh, artist telling— and, and, um, all right, so, William, I'm just going to ring my keys every once in a while. So, you talk through the keys. You don't uh, pay attention to the keys. All right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's very convoluted, right. but I promise you it works. Um, okay, so, uh, so what do you, uh, in this uh, situation where you are hiring the models uh, privately uh, uh, through the Zoom, what is the... What is the lead up to that? What are the conversations before that, uh, before that happens?
1: Well, it's always a model who I've seen works yeah. somewhere. Well, except in one case, she maybe advertised online, okay. uh, you know, through, I think it was through Facebook, yeah. but, um, generally I, I seen the model work and I feel like intuitively that, that we can work well together. And since it's going to be private online, it has to also be that I feel like we can talk to each other. Yeah. But there's one model I know who I think is just a wonderful, excellent model. And uh, But when I see her pose, I, I don't even know what it is. Uh, I say, you know, if we were working together, we wouldn't have five words to say to each other. Okay. So, I can't imagine how we could work together.
0: Okay. But
1: otherwise, I write to the model and I say, "You know, do you want to work together?" Then we have to, you know negotiate for the price or whatever. And uh, then we get started. And I like it to be a collaboration, so we're finding together what works for us. So, like the model I'm just started working with lately, She, like a lot of models, uh, had training as a dancer. Okay. And in a certain sense, she doesn't like to sit still. I mean, she likes to move around. So uh, we've adapted to that. So uh, kind of the format we've been using is she'll start out by doing movement, slow movement for three, four minutes. Yeah. And she'll do a series of those where I'm drawing from the movement. Then we'll do stop action where she'll do movement once again. And when I see something that looks right, I'll say stop right there. And I'll do a drawing then. Okay. And then we'll go from there to fixed poses that could be, you know, 15,
0: 20, 30 minutes. And when when you say stop, uh, stop right there, how long does she hold those poses?
1: Well... Usually, I'll say, you know, let me know if it's getting to be a problem. Okay. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm always asking, are you okay? Yeah. But it depends a lot. Depends a lot what my response is. Sometimes sometimes it takes 30 seconds and you get what you want. Yeah. But sometimes it could take a half an hour. Okay. Now, I can't recall ever demanding a half hour of her, but, it, you know, <laughs> it can a while to get what you want.
0: Yeah. And then
1: um, and I what... should say there's a history of this. Yeah, Which is that Rodin, mm-hmm. when he was wealthy and successful and had a large studio, I mean, I don't know actually what studio it was, but I always picture it as being what's now the Rodin Museum in Paris. Yeah. But he would hire models to come to his place and to walk around naked. And they were not supposed to take any poses. They were just supposed to walk around naked. Okay. And he would draw that very quickly. He would make very quick sketches of them. The idea being that rather than a pose which would be artificial and and you know too too planned and too self-conscious, he would catch them at real moments of, of the way a body actually moves through space or whatever. Yeah. And he would make the sketch in, you know, thirty seconds or something. And then he would usually apply it afterwards, a little watercolor. Beautiful, wonderful series of of things he did. So it's a little bit similar to that, what, what we're doing.
0: And uh, William, do you find, when you say uh, freeze, uh, what, uh, do, do you find yourself navigating to the same types of poses, the same types well,
1: of Well, I wonder about that. Yeah. You know, I wonder about that. Um, I'm sure I do, yeah. but I haven't figured out I haven't figured out uh <clears throat> I haven't even tried to figure out but yeah. you know it would take a little bit of analysis to to figure out what that uh, what that pose uh was uh, but I'm sure I'm sure there's a there's a consistency I mean we've only worked together a few times so
0: yeah
1: you know I haven't uh...
0: and um so guys this is uh You got two more two-minute gesture poses. And I think uh, William gave you some really good advice about uh, trying out, at least least attempting. I mean, you guys aren't uh, model, uh, excuse me, former dancers. Uh, But it is nice, especially in these early ones, to maybe try this uh, stop motion or this uh, continuous slow motion uh, movement and then just say freeze. I think it's also good, William, Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong, but to... uh, to try it out, and, uh, and and if you can't come, if the model can't come up with poses, it's, this is the easiest way to come up with something new besides always ending up, uh, I don't know, doing uh, yoga or Pilates or I don't know, doing doing I don't know Superman poses as we call them. Um,
1: well, everybody's everybody's different. Both every model's different, and every uh, artist is different. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who artists. There's a lot of artists who find drawing movement impossibly difficult and challenging, and it just drives them crazy. Yeah. In my case, I cannot say that I am good at drawing movement. I mean, I've seen people who draw at the ballet and stuff like that, and they do beautiful things. That is not me. But what I certainly think happens is that when you draw movement, it loosens up your, your arm and your wrist and everything, and it can be and it can be that after that, when you start to draw a fixed pose, that you're more relaxed because you've gone through the process of struggling with the movement, or just, you know, going with the flow, as we used to say. Yeah.
0: And um, okay, one second, then I'll ask the question. All right, Scott, So this is uh, this is going to be the last of these uh, gesture drawings, which um, William is ele- elegantly describing. And uh, take note. Um, so you, what I noticed, uh, on your website that you do a lot of, um, you, you work in a lot of medium and you, you write as well. Is that correct?
1: Well, I'm a writer more than an artist. Well, it's more complicated than that. I've always been a writer. I learned my living as a writer, Okay. but, um, in the last 10, 15 years, I've done more and more art. And as you know, ours is such a visual culture now that people are much more responsive to art than they are to text. Okay. So I actually have a funny example that we had a lot of snow in New York a couple of weeks ago. You might've had some in Copenhagen even. Yeah, we had a bit. And So I started looking at poems by other people about snow And I found a beautiful, beautiful English poem by Philip Larkin, very short poem. And I put on my Facebook site just to say to people, "It's snowing in New York," and I'm looking at these snow poems. Here's a beautiful poem. Then I thought, well, this would be nice if I added some little illustration, you know, as a post. It would look nice if there was a little bit of art to go with it. Yeah. So I found a drawing I had done some time ago, and I. Put it there together, and everyone who responded to the post responded to the drawing, and nobody responded to the poem. (laughs) And I like to dialogue with the people who responded. And and my Facebook is very small, there's only a few people on it because they're actually my friends. You know, I mean, they're not fake people, they're real people. So I like to dialogue with them, and I would write back, I'd say, That's great, you like the drawing, but didn't you like the poem? What a beautiful poem! And they wouldn't even respond to that.
0: What, had they read it? Did, did, they...
1: I don't know if they'd read it, but one of my friends was the the partner mm-hmm. of a very prominent poet in New York who's now deceased. But, um, you know, he's, he's very much somebody in the poetry world. And I wrote to him, I said, but don't you like the poem? You know, he didn't even respond. He, he's, he loved the artwork. <laughs> so... So it becomes a situation where I'm better known as an artist than I am as a writer. But
0: even though the writing is what you've done the majority of your life, yeah, and
1: it's a little bit different
0: now because I have two
1: books coming out this winter. So yeah, that's you I'm... know maybe the, maybe the pendulum is swimming back swinging back a little bit the other way. But um, in any case, well, I thought that I would combine the two much more than I do. Like I thought I would have drawings with writing on them, and occasionally I'll do that. But but it's more separate. It's, you know, I I do my writing in the morning. I do my painting in the evening. You know, it's, it's two different things.
0: Do you want to, um, maybe tell the, I know we're in a croquis class, but maybe you can, um, tell them a bit about the book and maybe, um, I don't know.
1: Uh, I'll tell, I'll tell tell really quick. I'll tell really quickly about the book. Okay. There's two books, but one thing that's nice about one of the books is it was published by a publishing company, that's located here in the United States. But one of the key figures in this publishing company is an American who lives in Copenhagen.
0: Oh, okay. Fun,
1: and fun. I believe as a result of that on the corporate stationery or whatever, it gives two cities, one being the city in the United States and the other one being Copenhagen.
0: Yeah.
1: But the the writer in Copenhagen is an American writer and, and the, the company publishes only things in, in English. Um, but that book is a philosophical dialogue it's called. And now I think we can say, which is a line from Wittgenstein. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a very challenging read, but it's, it's a book length philosophical dialogue. And I think it's entertaining humorous, you know, the the way, the way Plato's dialogues were until they got swallowed up by the universities. You know, if you just read them as, as entertainment or whatever, you know, there's plenty of entertainment in them. And that's the same with this. There's plenty of entertainment and it's, and it's also takes up serious, serious subjects. So that's, that's one of the texts. And, you know, that's been, you know, I hope that at some point, quote unquote, ordinary general, general readers will read it, but Uh you know, it's, in terms of the people who wrote in praise of the book, you know these are established philosophers, right? Okay. Um, but uh, the other book is a collection of my poetry, which is a nice, uh, a nice thing to just have collected, you know, five years or something of poetry. Um, and what uh, one no. thing that's unusual about my poetry is that in some cases, not all cases, it's in English, French, and Spanish. You know, it's in three okay. languages, so oh, okay. so that's
0: nice. Um, All right, guys you got uh, two minutes left of this break Uh, I rang my keys I hope you guys knew that was for the break Um, so this is the time for the model to uh, sit down or stretch or do whatever and also if you are the model take uh, kind of um, reference to to how much the poses hurt or if your leg fell asleep or if your hand fell asleep as a drawer and uh, loosen out uh, warm them up uh, give them some tea put them near the heater uh, whatever you need to do and if it's if it's you, um, you know, uh, figure out if you should sit a different way, because the next poses are going to be uh, a bit longer. Um, William's going to stay with us. Um, I'm trying to like uh, slowly, uh, uh, William, uh, get you to start uh, maybe describing, uh, describing something in your uh, in in a poetic way. Uh, can we start with? Can you? I'm going to put you on the spot again. Can you describe uh, New York? Uh, in the snow two weeks ago, uh, using as many adjectives. Uh, <laughs> oh la la! That's
1: too that sounds, challenging. Yeah. But the question is: the question is, do I have a poem? Let me see what yeah, we have that was, here.
0: Yes, that's what um, I really wanted to get to.
1: But I might have a. I might have a poem. Let's see if I have a poem that. Uh,
0: Take your time, William. That, way, that way has
1: let's see you look for um, the poem
0: i'm gonna tell the the people about the next uh poses um, okay very yeah, good you take a second this, this is completely fine this is the one program where we don't play music in the background and it's okay with a bit of dead air and uh it's okay actually the first the second episode i think there was 30 seconds of dead air and i actually got a notification from the the people that process it like and they were like do you know there's 30 seconds of of white noise in in the middle of the episode and i was like yeah but it's because i'm letting people draw um but yeah you take the time to find the poem uh guys this is the first of the uh five minute uh drawings they should be a bit longer if you were at a 10 um on the first ones you can maybe dial it down to a seven um it's it's a lot longer to hold a pose and hopefully your wrist and the way you're holding your pencil or the way you're holding your paintbrush or the thickness of the paint or the consistency of the paint you got used to. Um, if not, still take this, last, this first five of the five-minute poses and do that and uh, just continue. It's about growth in your own practice. It's not about uh, really trying to be anybody but yourself, um, not to sound too cheesy. Um, yeah. So, William, you got… Uh,
1: so, I found a poem. Perfect. Now I found a poem for y'all. Yep. Now the reason, the reason I chose this poem is, as shall be seen, it involves an artwork. <clears throat> okay. But the artwork is not my own artwork. It's it's a work of a young artist that I happen to come across, and you'll also see that the poem concerns my mother who died of um, lung disease. You know, she was in her mid eighties. Okay. So it's a combination of the two. And the poem is basically a story. So, you know, maybe that makes it easier to follow, but anyway, so I'll read it here.
0: Please go ahead.
1: Along the side of the road, I found a silver goblet, which had been used as an ashtray. The local museum was holding an opening reception with the usual drinks and snacks, plus unusually large green grapes. With a toothpick, I failed to spike a grape. It rolled onto the floor. A girl, unaware, stepped on it. When I went to pick up the grape, it looked like a tire-flattened amphibian, or I later thought, like a certain green enamel museum store brooch my late mother liked to wear. Hmm. I liked too the translucent shades of green. I picked the grape up and wrapped it carefully in a napkin and an abandoned list of the artworks that were on the walls. I put the wrapped grape inside the goblet. You could say that much of my mother's life and particularly her last months suffering from COPD, that's lung disease, trying to end her life with morphine and other drugs were a struggle. When I was buying a card featuring another artist's work, I left the goblet on the museum's front desk. I was halfway up the mountain on my way home before I realized my mistake. The next day I walked down to the museum. They had the goblet, but had thrown out the papers containing the grape. The woman behind the desk and I talked about one of our favorite pieces in the show. Evenly spaced and connected by a string grid were scraps of paper and bits of wire and other things, some of them colored, some white. The artist had pinned these things to the wall using entomology pins, as if the things were bugs, specimens, or evidence, although they were not. This was the strength of the piece. It seemed so purposeful and well-organized and transparent, but as if for no reason. It didn't fit in any known categories of art or science. It didn't seem to have anything to say or to be drawing any moral, political, or personal conclusions. It just was.
0: That's the poem. Oh, oh. William, amazing. That was so nice. It was. It was such a nice... Uh, kind of adrenaline shot to get some, some other artistic energy, um, in the room and in the program. Uh, thanks for that. And it, and it was, as you said, quite visual. I could see it. And I think I visualized your mother's brooch. Um, I think I could see it if it's a, yeah, I think I know what it looked like. Um, very good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm not, I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it, um, at that, uh, All right, I'm going to, guys, we got 20 seconds of the first of five-minute poses. Um, Then uh, we're going to get all of William's contacts. And he's going to tell us about where to find him and his poetry book and his other book. And and then we're going to thank him for his time. So um, in uh, eight seconds, model, you're going to switch. And then we're going to send William off. So two, one. Okay, uh, William Eaton. Thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell us? Uh, we did. We didn't. I don't think I mentioned in the beginning. Can you tell us where to find you? Um, all your socials and all the websites and and everything. In
1: between. Oh, Alan, that's that's a that's <laughs> a lot. But I'll see. I'll see what I can do here. Let's see. Okay. Um, I think this is the easiest way to do it. Okay. Um, I have to type it into my computer to make sure I have it right. William, so William Eaton dot world mm-hmm. is a website that has my art. So okay. William Eaton dot world, and Instagram, which I almost never use, because <laughs> um, I, ha- you know, I, I haven't really figured out how to interface well with Instagram. But Instagram None is more that. is the same. It's William Eaton World, but just has no dot.
0: Okay. William Eaton, world, and uh, Eaton guys is E A T O N. Uh, William, we want to tell the uh, listeners and slash students, the ones live and the ones that will hear this during class in a couple of weeks. Uh, any last advice about uh, creating art and uh, and I, and in well, your case, not specifically well, uh, visual art? Yeah. I
1: mean, just. You know, my feeling is go with your instincts. There's a wonderful thing that Jackson Pollock once said, which is he said, uh, you know, technique is irrelevant until you know what you want to do. Yeah. And you can see that very much in the case of Jackson Pollock because he was a, a average or mediocre painter until he discovered that he wanted to drip tons of paint on huge canvases. <laughs> once he did that... You know, the relation the relation to all he'd been taught in art school was indirect at best. Yeah. But he had to figure out how to do, you know, what techniques to use to make the paintings he wanted to make. Similarly, Van Gogh said that for him, figure drawing taught him so, so much that that was like the base of his practice was figure drawing. But Van Gogh is not somebody we know for his paintings of the nudes, right? Yeah we know him almost particularly for his landscapes. Yeah. But he would say, you know, when I'm painting that tree or I'm painting that landscape or whatever, it it comes from a core of having drawn from the figure.
0: Definitely. William uh, Gems. All Re- right. Really. So, I'm sure that's enough. That was perfect. Uh, that was that was uh, amazing. Um so William, thanks for being on the show. Um I'd give you a, a round of applause here. I'll shake the keys. That's not to move, uh, but but thank you for being on the show and uh, be in touch. And I'll I'll give out all your socials. So guys, uh, William's socials will be on our socials and his website and and all the all the rest. Um, William, thanks.
1: All right, thanks a lot. Have a good uh, day and best wishes to everybody. All
0: right, thanks, William. Same to you. Bye, bye. Ciao. Um. All right. So for. Those of you who are live listening on the radio, I know there's a couple still out there. Um, that was basically a, a impromptu croquis life drawing class that gets taught here on Epsilon Radio um, every week. We try to. So far, we've done a good job of not repeating too many. That was a artist who lives in New York and works in New York, and obviously does more than just visual arts. Also does poetry and is a writer by trade. Um so one of the many things that you can listen to on Epson radio we're not the normal radio station. Um, we don't uh, have the necessity to um, I don't know appeal to I don't know advertisers I guess. Anyway, this has been Epson radio. I'm gonna uh end end uh, daylight saving times for the day. Uh, we got another guest coming on Friday and that was a that's an intended guest and that's a music guest. Um, so that's more in line with with what this show is usually about. Uh, I'll play a a song and then uh, I'm going to get out of here. I got more stuff to do. I got a baby to visit. Uh, A friend of ours had a baby. It's Corona time, so we weren't able to go. But I got my Corona test results and I'm clean, baby. Uh, Just like I just, you know, stepped out the casket, as we say. Um, So I'm going to go visit Baby Marta. Um, You guys are going to keep listening to this radio station. Uh, Yoga, I think, is is the next big thing coming up. Um, And this is... uh, JDU Hart and Muramasa on Epsilon Radio. Uh, love you guys. Pieces Siri not available. You already know. Um, till next time. Till tomorrow. Till tomorrow. Tomorrow is the next time. Uh, bye bye. Welcome, guys. So this is um, going to go into. Um, William got us through the first half of the class. We have two more five minute poses and then a break and then our last 20 minute pose or two 10 minute poses. So I just want to take this time to thank William again for doing that interview. He brought up some really good points about, um, visual arts, uh, affecting a written word and helping and them being uh, able to aid and uh, not aid and distract sometimes, especially, uh, in the current mediums we use, uh, to socialize social media. And, um, What a nice treat to uh, have him read a poem um, for us and visually try to uh, see uh, what he was talking about and uh, have that influence our practice. So that was actually during a a live taping of a show that I do uh, every day uh, in the afternoon. It's a music program. Um, But I thought I'd use that opportunity um, since I had to interview William anyway to um, introduce his work um, to the entire audience. Uh, uh, croquis, uh, life drawing is still something people are a bit iffy about and, and uh, maybe they do or don't wanna take it. Um, they're curious about how this specific class works uh, through a radio channel. But again, as you guys know, and I've said before, it's something that we're able to do that not many people can do. So why not do it and uh, see if it has any legs? Um, for that matter. Hopefully, uh, things here will be opening up again soon, and uh, I'll get to meet some of you guys in person, and we'll get to uh, draw in person, um, and I won't have to talk as much as I do here on the radio. Uh, doesn't bother me, though, obviously. Um, so, uh, William... Uh, was recommended from another uh, person that's been on the program as somebody that we could talk to. Uh, William's work is a bit more abstract than we um, usually deal with here, but I think it comes more from his uh, writing background. And uh, he talked a lot about drawing the emotions or the feelings in the room. And as soon as you start doing that, uh, which is a concept really used in a lot of modern painting and uh, contemporary, uh, you going to get more abstraction. Um we don't usually talk about that because you guys are drawing um for yourselves and and trying to get better interpretations of the body, but it is definitely an option to do some abstraction uh from time to time. Um so I actually uh um I'm, I'm going to when we start the next uh, pose I uh, got invited. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, um, there was a woman from Sweden called uh, named Sharon. Sharon and uh, she invited me to uh, one of the Zoom sessions, uh, one of the Zoom sessions that she has uh, uh, every week. And uh, What If We Fly uh, model, uh, who also was a guest on the show, uh, Maria, was the model that day. And my intention of going to that Zoom class was not to draw myself. Uh, I, I've stopped drawing, um, but it was to take some notes um, about her way of being and what it's like to be in a Zoom session. And, and not only what it's like to be in a Zoom session, but kind of take some notes about how Maria was as a model and maybe that can help influence uh, you guys in these next longer poses um, or in the gesture poses. Um, and also, it's just nice to hear um, in general. So with the uh, last part of class, we'll go through my notes. I haven't read them um, since, I, since I wrote them. I hope that they're still coherent and I hope that they make sense. And I hope that they add something, uh, add some value to um, what you guys are doing right now. Yeah, And in the meantime uh, I should just remind um, There will be These next two poses A break for you guys to take care of the model As always And then the last uh, 20 minutes Can be one pose or uh, Two 10 minute poses And I'll ring my keys to signal that So coming up We're going to switch, and uh, this is a five-minute pose, so keep in mind um, the shapes you make. Uh, William also talked about um, drawing the shapes of the snow, which seems a bit ridiculous. Um, But I can say that drawing the, the shapes of the snow is a good way... Uh, for you guys in this practice In life drawing classes to get rid of representational uh, drawings And we talked about that a lot in the beginning Representational drawings are the predetermined um, Kind of skips or shortcuts we do To represent the human form The simplest one is a smiley face, right? Like two dots, a dot for the nose And then uh, you, right? That is uh, representational And those kind of set the precedent for how we interpret the human form because we need to communicate fast. Um, Doing life drawing and doing croquis takes a longer time. Uh, It takes uh, dedication, it takes some focus. And that's the nice thing about it is it takes focus. Um, But throughout childhood and throughout our growing up, we learn shortcuts to um, get to a point faster in order to communicate. That is what language is, that is what uh, written language is, that is what everything is. And what we asked to do in life drawing is to um, undo those things, undo these uh, kind of um, repetitious kind of uh, remedies of communication and go backwards and actually draw what we see. And the reason I bring that up is because the snow piles, there's no, if I say a snow pile, to you guys right now it doesn't conjure up any specific um, universal symbol that you can just quickly jot down you have to see the snow pile is it is it how big is it how small is it how robust is it what is the texture of the snow how does the light reflect off this snow how much of it is melted uh, and I'm not sure that, that was Williams' interpretation. I'm not saying that that's what he was trying to do. I'm just saying that it uh, is a good example of things that are form, that are also somehow formless. They don't have a form. They're not easy to uh, replicate over and over and over again, like, again, uh, smiley face. And uh, that's what the majority of this practice is about, or, or it is specifically when you're just beginning and the way it's taught in university is also about um, drawing forms that don't uh, represent anything specific, which is a very um, hard thing, very hard thing to do. Um, So I kind of like his example of the snow pile. Um, It's more difficult. It, it, It also doesn't necessarily give you a good picture at the end. You don't, when you draw a snow pile or you draw a pi- uh rolled up sheets or you draw your blanket it's not necessarily something you want to like hang on your wall afterwards or you look back through your sketchbook and you go wow that that rolled up blanket i really really got the essence of it i really captured all the rolled up blankets in the world and every time i uh see a, a crumpled rolled up blanket this is you know what this represents. That, whereas with with uh, representational stuff, you can uh, say this is a, a great um, comic book representation of real life, and and I like the stylized lines. And this is all representational. And part of the practice. And another good thing he brought up is um, you keep doing things until you know what you're doing um so the nice thing that i think about life drawing um is you you have the ability to just do without an outcome you can do it as a hobby you can do it as a lifestyle whatever you want but you don't have to have an outcome there doesn't have to be an end result in a lot of things there has to be an end result um, and the end result has to be represent the time that you're in. So this is the the break here. I know I said I was going to get into these notes, but then uh, I forgot that I should probably yeah, take the time to um, expand on what the good points that uh, William uh, brought up. Again, I I mentioned it before, there's, uh, maybe I didn't, maybe I forgot to mention it, but there's construction outside, I hope that you guys can hear it, Um, if you can, I apologize, but they're just trying to get the uh, church right, excuse me, hopefully for when we uh, reopen here, um, hopefully in a month, Um, I mean, that's an optimistic uh, viewpoint, but hopefully it's not too far off and uh, in this break if you're the model of course as always we ask you to uh, stretch and warm up and get the feeling back in your fingers and your toes and your legs and the same thing for the person drawing uh roll your neck around a bit you know um open and close your your hands uh to the full capacity you know uh blow some of the dust off the uh The working canvas or the the paper you're using, if you're using an eraser at this point, um, do that now. Uh, Get up, walk around if you need to. Um, The next poses are the longest one, the longest one or the longest two, depending on how you split it. Um, And they take the most uh, concentration or the opposite of that concentration, the the most uh, meditative state and taking your mind somewhere else. The, the important thing obviously is not to move and to sit in place and to take um, ownership or take a uh, reference of how you felt these last uh, 45 or so minutes um, and 30 of those 35 of those drawing, how have you felt? What hurts? What doesn't hurt? Um, what's cold, what's warm, what's uncomfortable, what's comfortable. Um, so yeah, we've, we've, found our way into a community, a universal community, a a borderless community. And it's been nice to uh, speak to all these artists. And this is definitely something that wouldn't have happened uh, without the uh, pandemic. It has forced um, a lot of these artists who normally would sit in their, I don't know, homes or studios and be closed off and work with one model or go to their local Croquis class. It's forced them all online, and once they've got online, I, we've been able to uh, get in contact with them, um, and uh, and put them on the show and give them give them space to speak about their art in a new way and put words on it. So, with that being said, um, I'll start um, going through my notes of Maria. Um, Maria from uh, last week. And these are notes that you can use for this class or you can take them with you and use them for the next class. So one thing I wrote down here that she uh, she did a lot of poses from behind. Um, so she did some posing with the uh with the camera at her back obviously it's a zoom camera so there's not a person in the room but turn your back um giving the artist or the drawer your back is always a good idea um i feel like that allowed um it it created some emphasis on um her shoulders and her uh and and getting into her shoulders and the strength that you have in the traps and and um so that was a good idea, and it created a, a triangle shape, which we've talked about before on this show, and uh, it created a a good V to to, um, to start with and draw with, and that's also something that you don't normally um, see in the female form or when the female form is drawn. You know, we always think of uh, the female form is uh, kind of you know this uh, stereotypical like hourglass shape uh, you know like um, small waist or wide waist and breast and then hips and you know one is you go out and then you go in and the nice thing about her turning around is you could see that there's also even in the female form uh, strong upper body and strong shoulders and, and still feminine but also some strength in that Um, so understanding that was nice or seeing that, um, so this is going to start. So this is our last pose, uh, for the evening guys. I'm going to ring at the 10 minute mark and, um, you can use that ring at the 10 minute mark to switch to another 10 minute pose, or you can, um, stay in the 20 minute pose. And that depends on how you feel and so on. I'm just going to keep reading through these notes. She was very um, Marie was very conscious of uh, how she stretched her arms, and it seemed like uh, she was always stretching her arms as far as they would go, if that makes sense. So you could almost almost it was like this uh, constant navigating of her stretching all the way, and then kind of locking or or flexing a bit, Um, and I thought that was nice. You know, this kind of like slow motion. Into, you know, the 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 edges of her movement, which you could use as the edges of your paper, and then this kind of f- freeze, you know, like this flex, like you know, I'm gonna flex right when I get to the end, and then when you, what I noticed is like when she would uh, flex towards the end of this um, movement, it gave an extra dynamic to the shape that she presented, uh, the shape that she threw it gave you an extra little area to draw or extra little area to focus on so that her arm wasn't just a, you know, a straight line. It, it had a curve to it. it you could draw her, um, there was a differentiation there that wouldn't be there if she didn't go to the edge of uh, the capabilities of her body. Of course, with doing that, um, you run the risk of moving and not being stationary and the thing we know about maria because she was on the show is that she practices these movements before um before she goes live with them so if you guys you guys obviously know already that you can go back and listen to these um they're in the archive now so you just type in epsilon radio in spotify itunes whatever and if you really want to have access to all of our content. We did create a app now, so you can go to the app store in your Android phone or your Apple phone, type in Epsilon Radio and download it and you have access to all of our content that we make here at the radio station. Some stuff is missing, the games and the quizzes and a bit of the live programming. But for the most part, you can get the um, aroma, if, if you'll let me use that word, of what we do here. Um, the She also. When she would stretch. And when she would do her positions. It was obvious that she was very conscious. Of the items. In the room. So. She was conscious of. Where if her arm was stretched. Where it lined up with. The. Uh, the uh, baseboard of the floor Um, she was in a room uh, with no furniture Uh, it seemed like maybe it was an attic or or the top uh, floor of of a finished house Uh, it was just a rug um, one light one light source a warm light at least that's the way it appeared on my screen as a warm light um, and a white wall Um, which also uh I don't know if it was intended or not, it cast a great shadow um, of her form onto the wall. So she would have this uh, silhouette uh, in addition to the actual form that she was throwing. Obviously there's a skewed thing when you have a silhouette, but it does give this kind of like fun thing to draw in addition to just drawing the body. So you might wanna try that. I mean, we always talk about having one light source and um, that was reinforced by attending uh, her class for a Croaky Corner that uh, the shadow helps. Um, in this case, the shadow didn't necessarily help find, uh, the silhouette didn't help find uh, the, her, her shape necessarily. It didn't help turn her, but it did give another fun element of uh, what to draw in the room which I thought was quite nice she she also did a good job of always supporting her weight on three points we talk about like triangle this and triangle that but she did a good job of supporting her her weight in three points now the cool thing about it was that it wasn't always the same three points So if I say like, okay, you want to think of yourself as a tripod and pick three points in the room, obviously your feet are the three points that you're going to, your feet are two of the points that you're going to use the most. And then probably your arm to hold on to something. The uh, cool thing about what Maria was doing, um, which I may have mentioned before, is she used uh, different. Uh, Joints in her body or different parts of her body to um, to set the base so her knee sometimes she used her knee and her foot sometimes she used her elbow and her wrist and then her knee um, to use her fingertips at times in conjunction with her knee and her ankle ankle I wouldn't suggest but um find three points and shift your weight. And if you think of just six points, six points of your body that you can that can support your weight using three at a time and trans slowly transitioning between those, I think you can end up with some very interesting um, dynamic poses that you don't think you would be able to. Um, so that that was a good note that I took from from her class as well. Um, she was just always very conscious, I, and she was in obviously in her own world, but very conscious about her position in the room, uh, the poses she was doing, and another good thing that she always did is she was good at putting her hands in a way that made it a bit easier to draw them. So without make without like just holding her hands completely open, like five fingers apart, she still somehow made sure that she paid attention to um, flexing her fingers, which obviously proves that she's a pro, right? I mean, anybody else would just get into a pose and just, that's my pose, and their hands would relax. And she, I think by doing this thing where you flex... And then relax, you offer the artist um, a good reference and a strong enough hand to draw um, rather than ke- just keeping it loose, which is also fine. I mean, but it was cool and interesting with, uh, again, these strong forms that she was throwing and these strong, strong shapes that she also maintained strong hands and strong feet. I just wrote these notes that I guess I'll read. Um, Weight supported by the wall, uh, conscious of the sole of her foot on the floor, uh, left heel off the ground, in between stretches to get to the next pose. So the other thing that she did quite often was she didn't do a pose, return to normal, And then do another pose. She often did a pose. And because she has predetermined the next pose, she stretched her way into that pose. So what I mean by that is, she had the two poses. She ended up, I guess, I guess dancers do this. Of course, dancers do this. Is how do you get from A to B? And she was conscious of, this is position A, and I'm locked in this position for two minutes or five minutes, what it is, and B is over there, but I can't just stop and reappear at B. I have to go from A to B, and how do I go from A to B in a logistic way that makes sense for an artist? And I'm sure I would imagine that by her doing so much of uh, life drawing recently, that this is Either something she kind of naturally gravitated to or this is something that an artist that she worked with suggested to her. It's got to be somewhere in the middle. But she did a great job about it. So um, for you guys that are um, drawing yourselves, these are good things to keep in note. Um, for you guys that are drawing others, this is good uh, information to pass on to them. Um, that's the 10-minute mark. So this is the last 10 minutes of the class and you can switch or you can stay in the same position. I'm just gonna keep reading through uh, the notes that I took from this uh, life drawing. It also for me was less pressure being in a life drawing class and just taking notes on what the model was doing for you guys than uh, trying to capture the model. It was was the first time I've ever done that um, in a life drawing class. And I I will say that I quite enjoyed it. It became more poetic. And maybe I'll try again if I I go to another one uh, anytime soon. I'll try to, as um, William does, um, do a bit of writing and then a bit of art. And have the art influence the writing. And have the writing influence the visual side of things. Um, Just for fun. Okay, so... So I went through, uh, then I have the note about uh, always using three points to anchor. This was another thing that um, I didn't think about, but she did well is uh, pay attention to where she has long hair and she paid attention to uh, where her hair falls. Um, So when she moved from pose A to pose B, Where did that put her hair? You know, does she need to grab it and pull it out of her face? Does it cover too much of, um, too much? Does it make a shadow that doesn't uh, emphasize or de-emphasize the pose that she's doing? So I think it was also interesting that she rotated through the positions in a way that she obviously was also conscious of where her hair was. But now that I think about it, maybe not even for just the artist drawing, but also for her comfort, right? I mean, if you move in a certain way and then your hair starts, uh, it's in your face. Maybe it starts itching, or or maybe it's uh, on the back of your neck in a in a way that is uncomfortable uh, for you. Um, yeah. So again, these minor details really can can take your Um, the artist's practice and the models um, work to another level. And some, obviously some models think of what they do as also as artwork. I mean, that's what dancing is, right? I also noticed that she, there were times that she did harder poses, and towards the end, she would begin to, to shake a bit. Um, and good for her, she would try to hold it for as long as possible. And you can almost see when she was going to move. So they didn't really use a... I use my keys. They didn't really do that in, in, in this class. Um, but there was a visual kind of signal that she was giving off um, whenever she was about to switch whether that was the stretching further and uh, flexing and then slowly moving into the next pose, but also sometimes if she used a, a harder anchor point, like using her hand and her elbow, um, uh, but not her knee to, as the anchor points, it became obviously a bit more stressful on her arm and on her, her muscles in her arm. Um, imagine being, doing shoulder push-ups or being in plank position uh, and downward dog at the same time uh, you can only do that for so long and she hold, she held it for as long as she could um, so I'll say that okay and then I have the note of which I already volunteered about her toes and her hands uh, always moving to an end uh, position before freezing. Uh, Also, something I have here is uh, she was conscious of her shoulder line. Um, So the line that her shoulders made, um, she was always conscious of where that lined up with the room or if she dropped one shoulder, it was 45 degrees to the next shoulder. And these are all tips and tricks to help the artist uh, find the form. Um, The more... I guess nuance is not the best word for it, but that's the one that comes to mind now at this moment. The more nuanced the or the softer the uh, shape is, uh, it's harder for the artist to draw it successfully. Um, if I again back to the to the last kind of reference, if I tell you to draw a snow pile, it's going to be hard to visualize without me describing it, and even then, it's still going to be hard. If If I tell you to draw a 22 degree angle, uh, okay. But if I say 90 degrees, 45, zero degrees, you can do that, right? You can see that without me doing anything. So her knowledge of knowing that influences the position she chooses when uh, she models. I talked about the shadow already. Um... She also uh, was able to keep her chin up when necessary. Um, Her chin never dropped, which is obviously something she was also conscious of. I have an extra note about the shadow that I'll also share with you guys. Um, It could be nice to realize at what angle the shadow is cast on the wall when it hits the wall. Um, We focus on the body. But also we focus on the shadow, and this is a specific um silhouette, but for fun, it does the shadow um hit the wall in switch directions completely? How skewed is it um, all those sort of things are fun to draw and and I think if you need a break but you don't want to take a full break, I think it's nice to like. Take a step back from drawing the human in the drawing, and take a second and draw the shadow, and then you can feel like okay, well at least I got the shadow right. And then go back to the human form. So that's also a nice trick if you if you want to, within the time frame, take a small break from something that's a bit hard. Uh, the shadow cast on a on an empty white wall is a bit easier. And it also gives your eye a break from concentrating on one thing. You get to take a, a lean back a bit and see um, better. So I can also recommend that. This was a, a, a thing I thought about um, while she was posing. And this is something you guys will have to decide for yourselves. Is it better to take the hardest part of the drawing first and then of course that depends on what you think the hardest part of the drawing is but is is, do you start at the hardest part or you start at the easiest part and work to the hardest part Um, so that's just a question that I wrote down here that I thought about because there was uh, this specific shadow in the room or or because she was throwing specific shapes and some of them seem easier to draw than others. Another note about shadows. Um, does it go onto the ceiling? And also, the specifically to the zoom um, channel, in periods it felt like the, sha- the quality of the light was changing, which is OK when drawing in black and white. Um, or in graphite and and pencil and paper or pen and paper but for those of us drawing uh, and trying to get the actual colors of the room I will say that in that way Zoom limits us other than in the obvious ways that uh, William even mentioned you know the quality and the the clarity of the uh, video Um, I've got some more notes here but maybe I'll save the notes for another time Um, we got through most of them Uh, There's 30 seconds left to go in this class. I want to thank you guys for joining. I want to thank you guys for being here. This is Epson Radio, obviously. Uh, Check out the archive if you're not listening um, already to it, if you're listening to this live. Uh, This show will no longer be also on Friday. Um, We would like to replace it with another creative activity. Um, So we're going to do that from now on. So it's going to be every Wednesday still and then in the archive. So with that, I'll say thank you guys for joining. Thanks for being here with me and goodbye. Thanks for listening to this program, but don't forget to check out our other programming, including movement exercises, arts and culture, talk, and of course, music and music mixes. Until next time, this has been Epsilon Radio's Archive. Remember, we're also broadcasting every day from Epsilon Tower in Copenhagen. Till next time. See you then. Signing off. Bye.